Welcome back to part three of the amazing story of Yod Bey's Tamuz. As we said earlier, the Frida Karebe used to travel to different places, to big cities, in order to encourage Hasidim to open up more secret schools. On Purim Katon of that year, which is Yud Dalid Oder Aleph, the Friedrich Rebbe was in the town in the city of Moscow. Although the Friedrich Rebbe had plans to leave Moscow, he received news that his secretary, his Mazkir, Rebbe Elchanan Dov Mirozov, was arrested and he was never seen again since. So the Friedrich Rebbe decided that he's going to stay in Moscow for one more day. He announced that that night, because it was a special day, Purim Katon, he's going to be saying Chassidus, and everybody's invited. He spoke really powerful words, and he was comparing his generation, the generation of the Chassidim in Russia, to the generation of Mardchai in the times of Purim. And he said that just like in the times of Mardchai and Esther, the Yidin were in a very dangerous situation, and they were about to be killed, the entire nation. And nevertheless, what did Mordechai Tzadik do? He reacted by gathering 22,000 Yiddish Kindalach in order to learn Torah. So too, we in Russia also must continue to teach our children Torah despite the persecutions and the very tough times that we're going through. Afterwards, the Friedrich Rebbe said the very famous mimer called Vekibil HaYehudim. In fact, our Rebbe said a mimer Ve'atetetzave, which is also a very famous mimer, and it talks about Mesiris Nefesh, and that mimer is based on the mimer that the Friedrich Rebbe said in the year Tafresh Pezayin on Purim Katan, this mimer that we were just talking about. A month later, on Purim, the Friedrich Rebbe had a Fabrengen in his house back in Leningrad, and he spoke very strongly about opening up Chedarim in Russia, all over the place. The Fabrengen started at four in the afternoon. Later, when it became Chatzais, midnight, all of a sudden, the Rebbe, whenever I say Rebbe, usually I'm referring to the Friedrich Rebbe, at midnight, Chatzais, the Rebbe got up and he started speaking even stronger. And he got up all of, all of a sudden and he said to one of his big Chassidim, Reb Elia Chaim Altois, he said, I want you to send out a letter to all the Chassidim in all the big cities and the little towns all over Russia in my name that I want that they should send their kids to a, a Jewish cheder and not Chas V'Shalom to the schools, the public schools, that were established by the Yevsexia. Just like the Yidin in Spain were moiser nefesh, despite the Inquisition, so too we, all of us, men, women, children, whether we're Rabbanim or businessmen, we all have to be moiser nefesh and give our children to the proper chinuch. And then the Friedrich Rebbe said really sharp words, that anybody that does send their children to the Yefsesia public schools, chas v'shalom, will not be zoyche to live a long life. And it's better to be chosen, to be burned alive, if you're given the option, than to send your children to the school 
of Russia, the public schools. He continued, The Yevsekskia, may their name be erased, Yemach Shemam. They want to destroy every last bit of Yiddishkeit, but we must battle and fight them to the bitter end. And I know that there are spies and members of the Yevsekia that are right here in front of me, and I don't care. I'm not afraid of them. The spies that were at the Fabrengen, when they heard those words, they turned white in anger. The Chassid Reb Eli Chaim, he was so scared for the safety of the Rebbe that he ran to the Rebbe's mother, Rebbe Tzinshternesara, the wife of the Rebbe Rashab, and told her all that was going on because maybe she could convince the Fyudik Rebbe to, start, to stop Fabrenging. The Rebbetin rushed directly to the Fyudik Rebbe, and a path opened up for her to go directly to the Rebbe. And before she had a chance to open up her mouth, the Rebbe said, Mama, please go back to your room. Say to Hillim, that's going to be good for me. Don't worry, I'm not doing anything on my own. Whatever I'm doing, it's because Tate told me to do so. And then they both began to cry. The Hasidim were surprised. They never saw the Rebbe crying like that. And some Hasidim also began to cry. Afterward, a small whispering conversation went back and forth between the Rebbetin and the Rebbe, her son. And in the middle of the conversation, the Rebbe fell into a deep faint. It took 10 minutes for the Hasidim to revive him, and then they took him out of the Fabrengen in order to recover, to recuperate, to get back his strength. Half an hour later, the Friedrich Rebbe came back to the Fabrengen and continued Fabrengen until sunrise. The Fabrengen was so powerful that the news of what happened and the Rebbe's instructions to open up Chedarim, it spread across Russia like wildfire. Hundreds of new Chedarim opened up, some of them for the first time, and some of them reopened after being closed. The Yevsexia were not happy about this. They wrote in the newspapers that we need to send the Tzaddik of Lubavitch away, out of Leningrad, into the islands of Solovovki. That's a place so far away, far north in Russia, and it's so bitter cold that anybody that goes into exile there pretty much means that they're going to end up passing away. During the next few months, the members of the Yevsexia gathered as much proof and documents as they can in order to prove that the Friedrich Rebbe is the one who's the main person that's responsible for all these chedarim that are opening up and they really planned on arresting him. This was a very tense period for the Friedrich Rebbe, but nevertheless he continued his daily schedule. He accepted people Hasidim to Yechidis on Sunday, Tuesday and Thursday nights and anybody that looked at the Friedrich Rebbe from the outside would never imagine the intense pressure that he was going under. On Tuesday night, Tesvav Sivan, the night began just like every other Tuesday night. Many Yidin from all walks of life came into the apartment of the Friedrich Rebbe in order to ask advice 
in Gashmias and Ruchniastic matters. Yechidus ended at 11.30. Then the Rebbe Davin Meirev, and at about 12.15, he sat down finally to eat dinner. Half an hour later, before he even finished his meal, the family heard the doorbell ring loudly in the, in the quiet house. Before anyone had a chance to open the door, the door was flung open and two men, whose names were Lulov and Nachmanson, both of them were members of the Yevsexia, but they grew up in a chassidische background. But unfortunately, as they grew up, they joined communism. And behind those two men were members of the GPU, the policemen. They said, we are the GPU. Who is Schneerson? Where is he? The Rebbe rep replied calmly, I don't know which Schneerson you're looking for, but I imagine if you came to this apartment, you already know where he lives. So why are you screaming and making such a commotion? Now, if you're trying to intimidate me, let me tell you something. I never was scared of you, and I never will be afraid of you. You can search my apartment if you wish. Please help yourself around and go looking. But I would like to continue my meal, so leave me alone. There's probably some mistake which landed you here. And let me tell you something. A Schneerson is not someone that gets scared and runs away. The Rebbe spoke so calmly and so unafraid, that it, they were so surprised. They weren't ready for that. They were silent for a moment, because they didn't know how to answer. Do as you wish, said Nachmanson, but we will continue to search your house. That's what the GPU ordered us to do. And we're not afraid of anyone, even those who are connected to foreign governments. Nachmanson turned, marched out of the room, and the soldiers followed. After a thorough search, Nachmanson returned to the dining room where the Friedrich Rebbe was the entire time. You are under arrest, Nachmanson said with a smile. Now we're going to ask you a few questions. The Rebbe said, You won't arrest me under false accusations. I refuse to sign the document which says that you guys did everything according to the law. I'm not going to sign that. I am innocent. Everyone knows who I am and what I do. I live in a big city. I give chassidism my morim every Shabbos and yamtif. I have a show that I run. Everyone knows what I do. I'm not hiding. If you want to take me, I have a couple demands. I demand the right that I should be able to daven with tefillin. And I also demand that my family should be able to bring me kosher food while I am imprisoned. Nachman said, Nachmanson said, Don't worry, you're allowed to pray. We're just going to ask you a few questions and then we're going to let you go. In middle of the commotion, Rebetz and Sternesara suddenly entered the room as they were about to take the Friedrich Rebbe to the dreaded prison called Spalerka. 
She was surprised and not ready for these unwelcome visitors. And she was so scared, and she started crying. What's happening? Why are they here? Are they trying to take someone who's innocent and trying to help other people to become better? Are they going to take him away? No, my precious son, you can't leave. I'm going to go instead of you. Then the Rebetzin started speaking to the Reb Rashab, who had already passed away, and to all the Rebbeim beforehand. And she said, My dear husband, our only child they're taking away, someone who gave away his whole life in order to do good. Look at these bandits, these murderers. They came into our home. Holy ancestors, they're trying to extinguish the flame, the candle that you put in so much effort over the years to light. I will not allow them to take my son. Nachmanson was overcome with emotion. He wasn't ready for that. He turned to the Rebbe and said, Please, take her aside and calm her down. We didn't want to get her upset and frustrated. We came in and we tried being quiet in order not to wake her up. Now, please comfort her. The Friedrich Rebbe took his mother and his wife and children into a room nearby. He used that opportunity to give them instructions about who they should be in contact with in order to attempt to try to release him from prison when he's going to go there. He also told them that they should continue to say the Yom Tehillim every single day, as well as Shluchim should be sent to the holy Kvarim of the previous Rebbeim, and they should daven there. In the meantime, the van that was going to take the Rebbe away arrived. The Rebbe was escorted to the waiting vehicle by his family and the guards. He gave one of the guards a big bag, which had his talis, tefillin, some svarim, as well as some personal belongings. Once he entered the van, he saw another person who was already arrested sitting in the van, and he was so scared. After a short drive, going through the quiet cities, streets of the cities, the van stopped. The doors were flung open and all the passengers were let out. They arrived at the famous prison Spalerka. The agents went over to the prison guard and asked him to please open the doors to allow them to go inside. And surprisingly, he refused. After a heated discussion, finally the prison guard allowed them to go in. Once they were inside the gloomy and dark halls of the jail, all of a sudden, Nachmanson's behavior changed. Instead of being so calm and nice, all of a sudden he was a scary, mean person. As Nachmanson gave the papers of the Friedrich Rebbe's being accepted into the jail to the person at the desk, Nachmanson said to the Friedrich Rebbe, Now you're going to understand where you are. The Rebbe was ordered to go into the interrogation room, which was on the other side of the huge complex. He had to go through a dark hall, which was lit up with small candles along the wall. But it was a very dark hallway. Every ten feet, there was another soldier that was standing, 
with a gun in his right hand and a sword drawn out in his left. The point of all this was supposed to make that a prisoner that's going to walk through the hallways will be so scared and so terrified that about time they reach the interrogation room, they're not going to be able to think straight. And when they ask, when the interrogators will ask them a question, they're going to go straight ahead and answer the question before thinking about it and thinking, is it a good thing to say it or maybe I should try to keep this a secret? They're going to, this way, the interrogators will be able to get all the information they need. By mistake, the Rebbe passed the room where the interrogation was supposed to happen, and instead he turned into a side hallway where it was brightly lit. Realizing how the fact that he mistakenly turned into the hallway must not be a mistake, it must be because of Hashkacha Pratis, he decided to take the opportunity to sit down and to think. He thought to himself, that right now, although I'm in jail, I should not be scared. I have to remain strong. I'm not going to allow myself to be intimidated by the officers. Then he got up from his seat and confidently walked to the room where he was supposed to go. He was ready to be questioned. To find out what happened by the interrogation, You'll have to wait for the next segment.